opening this week's episode with a dramatic reading of the thumbs up, thumbs down section of the Ojai Valley News is Lily Brown, co-producer of the Townies podcast. A reader sends a thumbs up to Brian at Fred's Tire Man in Oakview for helping with her tire pressure problem. He was kind, friendly, and professional, and fixed the tires in a jiffy. A reader sends a big thumbs down to people who are not cleaning up after their dogs while walking them. Show some common decency. It's also a misdemeanor with a fine. A reader sends a thumbs up to Nancy at Ojai Liquor for being an iconic staple of awesomeness to our community. Your countless salty remarks and telling it as it is makes us love you even more. Definitely hitting you in the head every few seconds. I'm from here. Here's the story. Welcome back to the Townies Podcast. I am Kim Maxwell, and I am a townie. I am a townie who loves other people's stories. I teach a weekly writing and performance workshop here in my ridiculously small fishbowl of a town nestled in the foothills of Ventura County. And for 25 years, the raw and vulnerable musings of my brilliant and courageous students have sent me home filled with hope. Some of my beloved students are seasoned professionals. Some have never even been on a stage before. But there they are, up in front of a live audience, flinging themselves and their brand new words into the abyss. Their reward? They have been heard. They matter. Their words matter. And the audience? Well, they have just officially been granted permission to do the same. To go out there somewhere and take a big old risk. And that is the sacred exchange between terrified storyteller and gracious audience member permission. I love people's stories because stories are what connect us. This is the Townies Podcast. Welcome to the neighborhood. Episode 25, Modern Folktales. Kicking off this week's episode, Christmas Eve. Written and performed by Tara Jeffrey. This is the third time up to bat on the Townies podcast for Miss Tara, a singer-songwriter, registered nurse, and Pilates instructor extraordinaire. She may just be the most well-rounded person in all of Ohio. Do you know what this is? It's my 30-day chip. I got it on Christmas Eve. I guess it's a big deal, so I wore my best dress and got a manicure, and I even fixed my hair. (laughs) They gave us 30 dayers a cake, and my sponsor gave me a pen with the AA logo on it for writing in my journal. Everybody clapped. (laughs) The last time somebody clapped for me was when my band stopped playing at the Battle of the Bands 15 years ago, but I was so drunk. I don't remember anything. These two fancy ladies came up to me after the meeting and they told me I was doing real good. I felt like somebody, you know. 
So I get home and Donnie is sitting there watching NASCAR on TV and drinking a Coors. We quit drinking together, but he only lasted two days. <laughs> he hates my AA meetings and he bitches about them all the time. So he says, oh, if it ain't little Miss Soba, you know, we're going to my boss's Christmas party later, Mother Teresa. <laughs> I said, Donnie, I don't know. I, I don't want to be around a bunch of people drinking. He says, well, you're going. Quit thinking you're better than everybody just because you're boring now. <laughs> so I sit down and I start reading my AA book and writing in my journal, even though I don't understand shit about what this book says or what I'm supposed to be writing about. <laughs> so I thought I'd better pray for some help with getting out of going to this party. Half the time, I wonder if I'm making this stuff up about God helping me. So I said, God, if, you, if you're for real, can you drop a piano from a building or something? Because I just don't know if you're for real. So please do something really drastic so I don't have to go to this Christmas party. And uh, amen, and uh, thy will be done. <laughs> so if you can do that, I know you're for real. So my sponsor tells me to write about the fourth step. I'm supposed to make this list of all these bad things about myself. I think, that's easy. Donnie does this for me all the time. <laughs> so I decide, I'm going to make a list of things Donnie says to me every day. You're fat, Jerry. You're never going to amount to nothing. You ain't that pretty without your makeup on. I can't believe you got this far in life without killing someone. Are you sure your mother didn't drop you on your head? <laughs> So I get six single-spaced pages of this crap when Mr. Zero Charisma himself yells across the room. Hey, fat ass, start getting ready. I don't want to be late. Shut up, Donnie. I'm, I'm meditating. So then he starts in on how I should be doing something that would help me. I was stupid for dropping out of high school, how I was wasting my time because I ain't never finished nothing, and I would be out on the streets if it weren't for him. I knew we were headed for a fight, so I grab my book and my journal and I head for the door. I pretended I was setting my books on the counter and I made a run for the stairs. And then he grabs my arm and he says, where the hell are you going? I said, I'm going out. He says, no, you're going to my boss's Christmas party and this is the last time I'm going to ask you to get ready. So he slams his hand down on the table and tries to block my way and I, I started to panic. I couldn't get by and he was, he was escalating. He was, escalating and I, I had to get out of that apartment so I, I stabbed him in the hand with my new AA pen. <laughs> and he starts screaming and running around the apartment. Oh my god, you crazy bitch! Call the ambulance! Call the ambulance! I'll never play football again! <laughs> Meanwhile, he's getting blood all over the place, running around in circles. I'm sweating like a whore in church. But for a second, I think I, think I got the last word but not for long. So I run down the stairs to the street past the Knights of Columbus Hall where I just ate my 30-day cake, and I run into the two fancy ladies I just saw at the meeting. And uh, they, they sit in these meetings and they knit while everybody's spilling their guts out. One time one of them talked about how God saved her life or some shit like that. They always look so perfect with their Saks Fifth Avenue clothes and their... They got devoted husbands and kids, and they got everything, all the money in the world, and they're always so goddamn nice. I wonder if they ever stabbed their husband. <laughs> just, I'll never fit in with those fancy ladies. Just, bitches. <laughs> so I keep running until I pass one of my favorite haunts. 
my old favorite haunts, Mandel's Liquor. I go in and I read magazines for about an hour to kill some time until the cashier tells me, lady, if you don't buy something, you got to leave. So I buy a Diet Coke, Virginia Slims, a pint of rum, a carton of eggs, some confetti they were selling for New Year's at the counter. I sat on the front stoop and I drank the rum and Coke and smoked that whole pack of cigarettes. Last thing I remember, I was throwing confetti and eggs at those fancy lady bitches I told you about earlier. I got real cocky because I hadn't had anything to drink for 30 days. And then I remember being put into a cop car and then they took me downtown and they brought me here. And they booked me for drunk in public and assault with eggs and confetti. <laughs> I never been arrested for this before. I'm waiting for Donnie to post bail, but it's gonna be a while because he's in the hospital getting the pen removed from his hand. <laughs> God, I hate Christmas. <laughs> you just heard from Tara Jeffrey. Next up, Eldest Daughter, written and performed by Angelina Martin. Angelina is just about the only person I know who could wear a backwards cap, a Batman t-shirt, overalls, and flower socks at the same time and still look like she could mess you up. You smell like the eldest daughter. You taste like the next of kin. Your father loves you like a son, you love him like the sun, enjoying his warmth while knowing he's one day going to explode and take you all with him. You feel the fate of your bloodline swelling in your stomach like a kidney stone. You slice your finger and smear a few drops of that bloodline on your grocery list. It reminds you that you haven't bled in three months. You're growing something that needs your blood more than you. You feel the place where your hip bones used to live. Now there's only flesh, your own and someone else's. Birth control is a 99% effectiveness rate. There is always room for an outlier. Your mother cried, your father too, mainly out of joy, to have something to nurture again, something to pour their love into, something that needs them. He didn't cry when you told him, but Christ, he looked like you wanted to. Fear never looked so transparent as it did on his face when you told him you were late. In reality, you're incredibly early. 22 isn't a lot of years to be alive before you start teaching someone else how to be. You recognized his fear because you felt it too in every molecule of your own body, but you were brave enough to stomach it. Oh God, he said. Fuck me, he said. Are you keeping it, he said. He's not the father you would have picked, but he's the one you've got. You don't expect too much of him. He's a decent man. Maybe fatherhood will make him a great one. Maybe not, this isn't for him. He half-heartedly, half-athletely offers to marry you like it's a favor you'll have to return later. You stop him mid-proposal, down on one knee in the middle of the Chick-fil-A parking lot. <laughs> baby, <laughs> you say as gently as you can muster, baby, please get the fuck up. <laughs> your father refers to your almost baby with male pronouns. You don't correct him. At first you pray for a daughter, but then you remember what daughters have to survive. Your belly swells past the point of discretion. You promise your almost baby that you'll be a better father than yours. You have to be. 
Your father is a decent man, not a great one. He always reminds you I held down two jobs so your mom never had to work. He made it clear how he defined work. He paid all the bills, never fucked around on your mom, as far as you know, and did what was expected of him and nothing more. And you watched him all your life. You watched him get up from the kitchen table as soon as he was done eating, never once lifting a finger to help clear the graveyard of dishes he left behind in his wake. You watched him nurse his beer and read his paper while your baby sister cried out from the next room. Honey, he called for your mom, his eyes never even rising from the paper. Honey, aren't you going to get the baby? You watched him raise his voice until the window panes rattled, slam fists down on tables and into walls. You watched him live carelessly and furiously, and you watched your mother follow him, sweeping up his debris, whispering apologies for him. You watched and you learned. Your father loved his children. Your father loved his wife, but you could feel his anger and his frustration. The subtext of his every action screamed, this is not the life that I wanted. I'm doing this for your mom. I married her as a favor that she had to return later. She had to pay it back, and so do you. You look just like your mother in this kitchen light. You're too young to be this tired. If you're gonna look this exhausted, then you best have something to show for it. The crevices under your eyes are so deep and pronounced you could fake a moon landing on them. When your mom was 10, she wanted to be an astronaut. Now she is 40 something and has never had a passport. Your mother loved her children. Your mother loved her husband, but you could feel her heartbreak and her sacrifice, the subtext of her every action screaming, this is not the life that I wanted for you. Your mother only takes her wedding ring off when she washes dishes, the ring she's worn since she was 19. You asked her what it was like to go right from being someone's daughter to someone's mom. She said, what makes you think I ever stopped being a daughter? You asked her if she still wants to be an astronaut. She said some people were meant to be astronauts and others were meant to raise them. Your mom ends every phone call with, I love you, please come home. Everything out of her mouth reads like an apology, please come home. You sound just like your grandmother when you sigh. That same sigh she exhaled in between humming while ironing her one millionth pillowcase, or was it one million and one? She lost count. You pour over old photos of her, searching for similarities in your facial features. She stood five foot four on her wedding day in front of her parents' fireplace in the stiff white lace dress tight around her neck too proud to smile. She died barely five feet tall, crushed by a lifetime of heaviness. She'll be dead five years come fall. You're glad you never met your grandfather. It's late summer now. You've stopped buttoning your jeans, and well-intentioned acquaintances grow up you in the supermarket and give you wildly unsound advice. Your hair is parting to the left. That means it's going to be a boy. I can tell by your belly button it's going to be three days early. If you don't have a natural birth, the baby's going to be a Republican. <laughs> you would stop then, but you don't give a shit anymore. Silence your doubts. Swallow your pride with your daily vitamins. Go visit your parents. Look your father in the eye when you tell him, I'm not getting married. Hold your mother's hand when you tell her, I'll try to visit more. And shake the lash of the tremor from your voice on your walk back when you tell the almost baby breathing inside of you, please come home. We were listening to Angelina Martin. And now, Donalyn Caskey with Break Free from her new album, The Love Still Shows. Cross my arms, stamp 
my feet Day and night I clench my teeth Shoulders tight Can barely breathe There is a song Inside of me Longing To break free Break free Break free There is a song Inside of me Longing So deep, the weight of all I dare not speak. Strangles vital energy. There is a song inside of me, longing to break free, break free, break free, break free, break free. There is a the music and performers featured on the townies podcast please visit the townies daisy and the song of flowing waters written and performed by miyoko partlow this roomy loving tie-dye wearing texas native looked for poetry in the world wherever she could radiating great energy and boundless love for all things Miyoko was a ray of sunshine. And we miss you terribly, my angel. 
<laughs> Once upon a time, there was a girl named Daisy who was loved by all. And even though she lived in a pleasant little town peppered with pleasant old grandmothers who said things like, thank you very much and bless your heart, she always felt slightly out of place. She wondered regularly, where do I live? Where do I belong? She secretly hoped that, she secretly hoped it might be like the town in the Stephen King novel where there was a parallel universe that opened up underneath a restaurant that served chili. <laughs> the parallel universe underneath the restaurant is where you could undo the past. Daisy could think of a few undos that she would like to undo. So she sang every night of the undos she would like to undo. One night, <clears throat> one of the pleasant old grandmothers told Daisy that her undo songs were depressing and she should try singing about the flowing songs of the river. Bless your heart. <laughs> <laughs> that sounded so much better, so much more flowery. So Daisy began singing about the flowery, flowing waters and set out on a journey across the land to sing to people about the flowery, flowing waters. She wanted to sing things that would uplift them, sing things that would transform them. She wanted to sing these things so much that the harder she tried, the harder it became to sing her flowing feelings. Daisy grew frustrated. Years passed and she returned home. One of the pleasant old grandmothers welcomed her home immediately reminding her that it was time for her every five year colonoscopy. <laughs> That's not pleasant at all, old grandmother. This is not the kind of flowery flowing waters I want to sing about. <laughs> the flowery, they should be flowery and flowing lyrically silently by. The pleasant old grandmother reassured her, it's all part of your beautiful journey. Depressed and deflated, lying on her left side. <laughs> Daisy began to sob. She began to realize her efforts to sing solely of the flowery flowing waters had come to bite her in the ass. <laughs> The flowery flowing songs were simply burying her undoes, her fears, regrets, and grief. So Daisy decided to forgive herself for the I love you's that went unsaid, the timely orange juice she didn't pour, the cry for help that she mistook for something else. She sobbed and sobbed and sobbed. She sobbed until she fell asleep. She wasn't sure for how long because the drugs they give you for a colonoscopy are badass. <laughs> <laughs> but when Daisy awoke, she decided to write new songs. Songs about the undoes, the parallel universes, and of course the sweetly flowing waters that go silently by. The pleasant old grandmother was right. It was all part of her beautiful journey. But before she could forget, Daisy framed the pictures they took of her colon and hung them on the wall <laughs> to remind herself that if she had anything worth saying, it was this. 
Whenever any of us stays present with shit we just as soon avoid, <laughs> it supports the rest of us staying present with shit we too would just as soon avoid. That put her back in the sweetest lyrical musical flow, and she lived happily ever after, mostly. <laughs> And that was Miyoko Partlow. Revolucion, written and performed by Saul Gordillo II. We are ever so happy to have this guy back in Ojai, even if just for a moment. Saul is a tour de force for sure, with his activist nature, his enviable work ethic, and his incredible words. My freshman year, I was arrested on two felony charges and one misdemeanor. My name is Saul Gordillo. I was born in 97 at the Ojai Valley Community Hospital back when they still delivered babies. They don't anymore. And maybe that's not even relevant. Why should it matter where a man was born? My parents were from Peru. Soy peruano. Americano. Tal vez un poquito más americano. I've been there many times and it's a beautiful country with beautiful people and I love visiting and enjoy every second of it. My parents come from a time of conflict, a time where the beauty was harder to find. The beauty never left, just remained hidden. There was a terrorist organization called Los Senderos Luminosos, the shining path led by a communist revolutionary named Abelmel Guzman. My grandfather was a wealthy farmer. He grew cocoa plants that would later become sweet, delicious chocolate. He and his farm were successful until the day he went fishing and never came back. With their father presumed dead, my father and my uncle were left the land, only to have to abandon it when Los Honderos Luminosos took over the jungles. Their supposed mission was to free the people and help the lower class, but all they ever did was harm them. My father, my mother, they both wanted a better life. So my father on his own went to the United States by foot, by train, rarely ever by car. After a period of four months and a journey of 4,067 miles, he finally got to the United States of America. When I close my eyes, I feel the rage of my people. When I open them, I see the struggle of being treated as equal. I turn on the news touching on the topic of immigration. Are we considered as people or are we just illegal aliens? He worked and he worked and he worked. Sending money to his wife and two daughters, my older sisters, every chance he could. After all this work, he decided to put on a backpack once more and headed back to Peru to go get his family. Upon his arrival in Peru, he started preparing for the trip back to the United States, this time with his wife and two young daughters. He needed money, so he went into the jungle to find villages he knew, to see if he could sell whatever he or my mother had to make money for the trip back to the U.S. On his way back to the capital, he ran into 100 heavily armed men. 
Los Senderos Luminosos. They asked him if he could, if he would serve the cause, but they weren't really asking. In that time, if you lived around the area, you either supported the cause economically or with your life. If you were to refuse, you would pay with your life anyways. He told him he had a pregnant wife and two children. Since my grandmother had been paying their quotas every month, they let him go with the condition that he returned within a week or else. Three days later, the Peruvian army battles with the guerrillas, and most of the men he saw that day were killed. My father took a chance to leave for a better life, for his family, and he made it. So when you're telling me to go back to my country, I can speak. I don't need anyone defending me. I was born with a fire in my blood, and as a boy, I would get into fights with the kids in school and the faculty. If I thought a teacher was being unfair, I would call him out on it. If someone disrespected my family, I would fight them. <clears throat> Getting beat up was nothing compared to losing my pride, my honor. Looking back at my childish ways, all that I did wasn't worth anything. I lacked the maturity, the motivation, the responsibility to make a difference. I know what it's like to go into a courtroom, not knowing if you'll get to go back home. Not knowing if I'll get to see my mother smile one last time. Not knowing. It's like they want us to be stupid. Brown and black is the predominant color of a prison that's full. You go into with a clink as a kid, you come out a soul that is ruthless. Is it a lose-lose? Because locked up or free discrimination is something that we're used to. I remember being on a path that led to nothing but self-destruction. But something clicked, sparks flew, and I caught on fire. I started reading, learning about the history of the world, the history of the United States, the home I have learned to love. And now I understand what's happening in the world. Truth is, ignorance is bliss. Knowledge and wisdom are sleepless nights. Lately, I've been feeling a little conflicted. The kid is raising his fist in the air. Who could have predicted? Now I'm getting criticism on my ethics and political position. So I guess I'll explain what I can't fit in a sentence. I refuse to be silent. And I don't stand for violence. So as long as there's war, I alone stand defiant. War in the Middle East. War in the streets. War for your mind. War for the greed. War in the fine print. And it goes on. How can a country with all the commodities be so wrong? I couldn't even turn on the news and expect to get a clear answer. People say it's the economy, but the rich are just getting richer and the poor are getting poorer and the public is nothing but distracted. So I feel the need to say something, to make a stand, but then I feel the fire and it's getting hotter and hotter. Hard to find the time to unwind, to define my mind. I'm screaming at the sky like the Nazca lines. This is how I pass the time with a pen I confide in. Tired of being a pantomime. It's time to break the silence like sirens and fireworks. Driving down the highway, trying to fly away, and I don't even have a license. The other day I overheard two old men talking about how fucked up things are today. 
It's a shame to say that the system isn't broken. It's supposed to be that way. And the fire gets hotter. I see my family worry for me. There are people dying and suffering. What am I supposed to do? Revolución. Maybe I should just keep my head down. Whatever happens is going to happen. I can't change it. Revolución. No. Don't say that word. Please. I couldn't take a human life. Could I? The answer, violence is not the answer. I have to do more than just repeat it twice. It's a constant fight. It's what keeps me up at night. I will do this right. I will fight. Revolution. My revolution will be out of my love for people, not my hate for others. And I won't be like those before me. My name is Saul Gordillo, and I would rather help other people than help myself. I have found my purpose. Revolution. That was Saul Gordillo II bringing this week's podcast to a close. Please join us every other Tuesday for a new round of Freshly Minted Stories. I am Kim Maxwell of Kim Maxwell Studio, and we teach people to launch their stories loudly and unapologetically into the world. To laugh more, risk more, and have bigger lives. The Townies Podcast is co-produced by Lily Brown, Asa Larmonth, and Ken Eros. Studio engineering and mixing by Eros Creative and Sound. The Townies theme song was written and performed by Rain Perry, recorded and mixed by Martin Young, and mastered by Mark Hallman at the Congress House. The Townies podcast is in part made possible by a generous grant from the Ojai Arts Commission and the City of Ojai, a small town with big stories. You can find out more about us at thetowniespodcast.org. Thank you for listening. Bring me my water, bitch! Yeah, <laughs> Thank you. Mom, mom, mom. Mom, This is every day, every day at the office. Mom, mom, mom. Oh, I'm sorry. It's so hard for you to have your daughter working for you. <laughs> no one knows my pain. <laughs> okay. <laughs>